we're going to do something different today and just kind of to start out on um, with with some context on, on kind of why we're doing what we're doing. Um, Jesus in Matthew 28, before he is, after he's resurrected, he died, he resurrected, appeared to his disciples and many others, and, and, and then he ascended up to heaven to be with the Father until he comes back to get us, amen. Um, he gave this mission, he gave a promise and he gave a mission to all of us. And what I remind us of often is this is our mission. We've got to not lose sight of this because there's a lot of things that can distract us in life and the enemy would certainly want us to get off of this mission. But Jesus gave us one clear mission and this is what we are to be doing in some way or another and everything the word talks about has to do with this mission until we go to be with him or he comes to get us, right? And it says in Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So our commission, if you will, our, our mission that God has given us is to take the gospel, to tell people the good news about Jesus Christ using his word uh, to all ends of the earth. All right, And that starts locally, first and foremost, with our community. This is where God has placed us to be on mission, first and foremost, to our neighbors, our families, our co-workers, to the people in this community that need Jesus, and then to spread out and do it to all ends of the earth in, in the different ways God gives us to do that. And so what we call that is missions, all right? We're, we're focused on reaching people here and then everywhere else that God opens the doors to do that. And ever since I've gone to this church, this has been something we've been intentional about doing here. We want to uh, minister to people that the Lord gives us in our church um, my job as a pastor being specifically to equip you so that you can go out and be on mission and share Jesus with people, but also to support other ministries or people as the Lord calls them to go out into the community and in all ends of the earth, all over the world. And so how we've been intentional about that is sometimes the Lord raises up people from within the church to, to go out in, in, in or to come up with other ministries or lead ministries in reaching people for Jesus and, and we support them prayerfully. We support them financially. Um, you know, some practical ways as well. We, we go to visit them in short-term mission trips, which we try to do regularly. Pre-COVID, we did that a lot more. We're getting, trying to get back to it right now. Um, and, and the Lord has allowed this little church in Olney to be, I, I mean, to be a part of some pretty great things that he's doing as we're going to see today, just in complete other parts of the world. And, and they're amazing things. And it's just, it's evidence of God's grace. It's nothing great about us. It's just God's grace. And in this last year, I always like to point this out to you guys. One, one thing that we've had as a principle as a church, um, this is something that we've just kind of set as a goal from the beginning of this church, is to always tithe on the tithe. So whatever the Lord gives us just to fund you know, the, the normal day-to-day stuff here, salaries, keeping the lights on, stuff like that, we automatically want to make a goal of setting 10% of that aside, at least 10%, uh, we tithe on the tithe to go specifically towards missions and benevolences or basically giving to people in need. And so 
that amounted to over $60,000 this year through your guys' faithfulness, all right? That's you guys being obedient to God and God using that in, in what, in some cases, you guys might have felt like, you know, just five loaves and two fish, but God multiplies it and does great things through that and has allowed us to be a part of a lot of great things he's doing all over the world. And that's why we like to bring missionaries here to share with you guys all the things God has done through your prayers that have all been heard and answered and all of your faithful giving, all right? So you can see with the fruit that's actually coming from that. So the first thing I want to do uh, today is um, you guys, many of you guys know that uh, Akola Bible College, uh, a lot of their students, when they're going to term, they, they come to, there's a chunk of them that come to church here as, as their home church while they're away from home, if you will. And there's a chunk of those kids that actually as part of their curriculum they serve at a local ministry, and they serve this church faithfully, really blessing us in that um, uh, they stay after church, and they and they do, they mop, they clean, they sweep, a lot of things that we be having to do as church staff, and it frees us up to do other things and ministering to people. So it's a huge blessing to us when they're, when they're here doing these things. And another part of their curriculum is that they get to go on a mission trip. Uh, and so... Um, I invited uh, some of them to come up just to share on what they're going to be doing and then to so we can be praying for them at church and if we feel led to support them as well on that mission endeavor. So I'm going to go ahead and invite some of those Ecola students, whoever's coming up to share, and you guys can just share what you guys are going to be doing. Hi, uh, we're those really annoying college-aged students that eat all the food, we clog up all the hallways. So you know us already, but you don't know our names. My name is Matthew Villicky, uh and this is... Mackenzie Majeski. Not that I forgot her name, but I have stage fright. We also have a ton of other people uh, here even uh, who are going on the Puerto Rico missions trip uh, this spring. Uh, I don't remember the dates. That's why I have people uh, I surround myself with who are better at remembering. Uh, anyway, um, I'm going to pass it off. We, we have some really interesting things we're doing. Uh, we're going to be helping, we're going to be building, and we're going to be uh, serving those in Puerto Rico who need help. And we don't want to be a hindrance financially on the people in Puerto Rico, um, which then um, we will love to have um, support from you guys with prayer. We don't want to. Um, we don't want to be those weird Americans that that go to a country and serve for the wrong reason. And we want prayer to make sure we're serving faithfully. Um, and then we also have some other exciting things we're doing. Um, it's not just the Puerto Rico missions trip. Um, we're going on two different ones. Uh, and the dates are, it's, um, both of them have different dates, but it's around like March ter- 3rd to about March uh, 15th. And um, some of us are gonna be going to Puerto Rico and um, we'll be serving with um, Youth for Christ Puerto Rico in Aguadilla. And um, uh, they're kind of set up like a, um, like a Bible camp. And so we'll be there um, helping with some like construction stuff. Um, we'll be um, leading some sports camps and just um, there's Revive Nights on Thursday nights. And we'll just be helping them um, in their community with the ministry that they're starting. Um, they've been... Uh, a thing since 2018, so they're still pretty new, and so we're just going to go down there and help out and uh, just 
serve how they need. Um, then there's also the Portland Rescue Mission. And I got the privilege of going on that last year. Um, this year I'm going up to Puerto Rico. But last year um, I helped with the Portland Rescue Mission. And there um, you really get to humble yourself down and you um, you serve these homeless people. And um, we're down uh, organizing um, different things that come in uh, and just being a blessing to the mission. Um, we do get to... Uh, serve food one night. We get to make food for um, uh, Shepherd's Door, and I forgot the other one, and and the harbor. Um, Amends in, uh, uh, they're two separate buildings, but one houses women for about a year, and one houses men, with the emphasis on, like, um, getting their roots built in Christ while getting them on their feet, so then they can be out um, in a normal community like the rest of us. Um, we, um, We've been going through, and we've been um, diving deep in prayer and um, writing missions letters and really, like, behind the scenes of what it takes to, like, actually go out into missions and rely on God and our community members, which is why we're up here um, sharing about what we're doing, um, because we can't give people the opportunity to pray for us, which prayer is extremely powerful and huge emphasis on if you think about us, please pray for us and giving you guys the opportunity if you feel led to um, to give financially. Um, there's a number of just here of you, uh, that are going on the missions trip. If you guys want to stand up, um, we're not scary. Please come up and talk to us <laughs> um, and just and just ask us about it. But um, yeah, just come say hi. We'll tell you more about it. And thank you for letting us share. And uh, I'll, you guys can just, after service, these guys will be kind of in the back foyer area. So if you have any questions, you can answer them. But I just want to say, I, I love that at this age, you guys are getting to go and serve, you know, in other countries or in downtown Portland. I think it's really great because uh, the first time I came to, or Coastline was the first place that I got to go on a mission trip. And it was very, it was one of those, there's many things in our life, I think most of us know this, like where Christ uses them in a major way to teach us major lessons. And the first mission trip I went on down to Mexico was just the beginning of this truly surrendering and submitting my life, not to what I want, but what God wants, whatever that is, Lord, just whatever you want. It just opened my eyes for whatever reason to this principle that I knew from his word, but I wasn't really living it. And in in every mission trip I've ever been on, short-term mission trip, has just the Lord teaching me these deep truths. And so I'm just really excited for these young people to get to go and serve Jesus for like a week and in a sense submit themselves to his will and learn what it is he wants to teach them. So any way we can support that, whether it's prayer or financially, we should definitely be a part of that. So let's go ahead and pray for them right now. Lord God, I lift up all the, the students there at Ecola. Uh, thank you so much, Father, for their heart to set aside, um, in some cases, a couple of years of their life, just to seek you, to learn about you from your word so that they can share you with others. Um, and Father, I, I pray for this trip, um, Lord, both these trips. I pray that uh, your spirit would an, anoint the people going to reflect you and your love to those that they're serving. And that they would be able to accomplish your good, pleasing, and perfect will. That it would be so evident that it's you, that people couldn't deny it. They just see you in the way they talk, in the way they act. And they would, those, for those that don't know you, they would want to know more about you. So they could have the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. And help them have a, a understanding 
of their need for you to save them from their sin and be Lord of their life, Lord. And I pray for these young people that, you know, so often we can get caught up in the, oh, I'm going to serve Jesus, but really it's you that wants to serve us in in the greater way and teaching us things about you that we couldn't learn any other way except being put in those circumstances. So I pray that you would do a great work in them, that you would reveal yourself to them to a whole nother degree. You'd teach them your word uh, to a degree where they could live it in their lives like never before and um, just really accomplish everything it is you want through them, Lord. Provide all the logistical stuff, all the finances, everything they need. Just work all those out, Lord. We're thankful we have you to lead us and trust you in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Yeah. Now, also, we have special guests today. And just to kind of tell you a little bit about the riffles. So um, when I first got saved in 2000, I was going to OSU. And um, the the church I got saved through, it was like a basketball ministry. And, and the college pastor led like this basketball ministry. And I had like some hard things in my life. Went to talk to him and came out of that meeting, giving my life to Christ. And I never looked back. And I started going to that college group. And um, one of the, the first guys I met that became somebody that was a major influence for Jesus in my life, somebody that discipled me, was Mike Riffle. He was uh, the worship leader, uh, one of the worship leaders in that college group. And uh, it was, uh, is, is Clint here? Clint? Yeah, Clint's here too. Clint was in that college group too. So this is a crazy thing. There's two guys here that, that um, when I first got saved, they were good friends of mine. But Mike was somebody that discipled me. And we sang that song, um, uh, trading all my, uh, sorrows for joy. That, that was from that era. And so it was just, it was perfect. I didn't tell Zach to sing that, but like that was one of the songs Mike used to sing. But all that to say is we've, him and his wife, they were in that group. My wife and I have been lifelong friends with them. And then back around 2010, I think it was, Mike calls me one evening. And he tells me, and this, he, him and his family are living in Central Oregon. That's where they're from. And he's got this successful concrete business. And he's like, man, I, I, I wanted to share with you that the Lord put on my heart that he wants us to sell everything and move to Columbia and start a church in an orphanage. And I'm just like, what? I mean, this is a whole new level of faith that I, I was not there yet. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? And, and from that point on, I just got to see a guy that that prayed and God answered these prayers in a miraculous way and opening up this door and making it clear this was what he was doing and and um as as I'm seeing God do these amazing things where there's just no denial like I they they had this mentality of like we're we're not going to ask anyone for funds or whatnot we're just going to sell everything we have and we're going to share if people want to know and we're just going to trust God's if God if God's in this he's going to give us what we need and and people just being touched, like led by the Lord to donate tens of thousands of dollars so that they could go down there and they were able to purchase this piece of land, and which was an abandoned chicken farm in the middle of the jungle. And if you've ever seen those movies where the jungle overgrowns things, that's what it was like. We were down there when they first moved on it. Me and Britton went down and, and like helped them get established there and stuff. And just to see that humble beginning and see where it is now. And we've taken, many of you guys have gone down there. We've taken several trips down there. And uh, it's just, it's it's a testimony of God's grace. And so it's always a privilege when the Riffles come and visit and they get to share um, with you guys 
what what the Lord is doing through your guys' faithfulness and praying for them and, and giving towards that ministry. So I'm going to have Mike Riffle come up, and he's going to share with you guys today. Thanks, Chris. <clears throat> Am I on? There we go. <clears throat> well, it's a, it's always a joy for me to be here. You guys have been a vital part of the ministry since the Lord called us to go down there and amen to the fact that this is about God's grace. I'm nobody. I grew up in a Lapine, Oregon. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. Just a small town, but we have a mighty God, and he's the one who, who calls and equips and provides, and all the glory goes to him alone. So I'd like to say that from the outset. And also wanted to say before I begin, just to encourage you guys that are about to go to Puerto Rico. I'm excited for you guys. Praise the Lord. I grew up in a mission-minded church and had the opportunity when I was young to go on mission trips, not knowing that one day I would be called to full-time missions. So you never know how the Lord's going to work in those trips. And I pray that God blesses you guys and who knows what he'll do through those trips. So, um, Yeah, as, we, as Chris said, I'm, my name is Mike Riffle. Uh, it's been in March. It'll have been 12 years since we set out to go to Colombia. Um, I think I have a picture. This is a picture of my family when we first arrived there. As you can see, they've changed quite a bit in the last 12 years. Um, we the, the farm was that we, that we were, we were called to was a. As Chris said, it was terrible. It was overgrown. In fact, we didn't want that farm when we were looking for farms. But the Lord made it clear that that was the one that he wanted us to be on. And we can see why now. Um, but Coastline had a huge part in cleaning that thing up. It was uninhabitable for a long time. But um, it's an old old chicken farm. Now, now it's a place where many have come to see Christ and know the grace of God. They're in that place. Um, when we, I was a contractor before we left. Uh, this is a picture of our house that we built when we uh, when we were down there. I'd never worked with Palm in Oregon before, but um, <laughs> palm, palm roofing is actually a very, a very cool material, and it keeps the house cool. It's very hot where we're at. The Lord called us to do uh, an orphan ministry as one of the parts of it. Uh, so we have, presently have two orphan homes on the farm. Uh, this is a picture of, uh, where are we at? <clears throat> These are, these are some of the boys that we have on the farm. Um, just providentially, we, we brought in boys and girls at the beginning, and the Lord revealed to us that we were to be a boys' home. And since that time, only boys have come to the home. And uh, we received boys who were 10 and under, either abandoned, um, in very difficult situations. And we... We care for them until they're adults. We, we, they, they live on the farm full-time. They study on the farm. They're involved in the life of the church on the farm. And then uh, if they want to study afterwards, we help them to get a, uh, a further education. Um, we've actually had several graduate we've, over, the, over the years now. And we have one currently studying computer engineering uh, at a university in Cartagena. We had one who just got married. Um, him and his wife are both members of the church, and it's just a blessing to see how the Lord has done has worked there. We have others who, who have graduated and worked. We've had others leave under difficult circumstances that aren't following the Lord, but we're just trying to be faithful and point these guys uh, to the Lord. So we have two orphan houses. This is um, the second orphan house that we built, and we have this is overseen by Eriberto and Karen, and 
Um, they, they, they watch over the younger boys that come to the farm. And then the first house that was there, when we came, it was a, an abandoned farmhouse. Fa- Pastor Fabio and his wife, Amilce, watch over the, the older boys. And that's where, where they live at. Um, as I mentioned, the boys study on the farm. Um, we actually tried to, for about five years to get a certified school. We had some men from the church teaching the boys, kind of like homeschool, but we'd have, we, we were required by law to certify their education. So we were trying to get a legalized school, and finally it was rejected once and for all by the Secretary of Education for a lot of different reasons, partially because we wouldn't embrace the LGBT agenda and include that in, in our schooling. And even though we explained to them that we were Christians and we couldn't do that, they, they ended up rejecting our school. So that was a big, we had to make a decision on what we were going to do. We didn't want to send the kids to the public schools there because it's like here there there's a lot of indoctrination that goes on. But they also just from the the circumstances that they come from, they need a lot of oversight, care, and it does it's it it's if they spend the majority of their time in these public schools, it's hard to really impact their lives the way that we, we want to for the Lord. So we prayed and the Lord opened the door. We currently um, do online schooling through a Catholic school in Colombia. Their live classes. The Lord provided funds to build a computer lab, and so we, uh, Eddie Berto, one of the house parents, oversees the um, the boys there every day, and they they uh, take their online classes. and It's been a huge blessing, and we've actually come to know that a lot of the teachers are Christians, and they're excited about the ministry, and they really pour their heart into these boys too. So that's been a blessing where the boys spend most of their time, my kids as well, every day their soccer field. It's a big part of their lives every afternoon. If you know anything about Latin America, football is pretty, pretty big down there. And we also have a volleyball field here. If, for those of you who came down the first, the first few years, our church met in a chicken coop, um, one of the commercial chicken coops. Well, that's since been converted in, into a workshop uh, where we teach the kids how to weld, how to do construction, uh, just get some basic skills. And it's, it's been a real blessing to do that. The Lord provided funds um, to build a church building after a few years. I have pictures of that coming up. Um, but we've also, we also try to teach the boys uh, just basic life skills. Part of the vision for the ministry that he gave us was to live on a farm, to teach the boys how to work so they would have a work ethic, and to make the farm as self-sustaining as possible. So we have a lot of, we try to do that. We have cows and chickens. Um, here's a couple of calves that were born a, f- a few years ago. And they all have pretty cool names. My kids could tell you the names. Uh, we have like Grace, Mercy, Faith, Hope, <laughs> but in Spanish. So um, We've also got into raising pigs. And we, we, sell, we sell piglets. And, but we also raised some for the meat for the farm. So that's been a learning experience and also a blessing. And then we try to make the farm as productive as, as possible through, through growing. And just because of the nature of the climate, everything, it, the jungle just overtakes everything. So we found the easiest way was to make these raised beds that we could control easier. So we built quite a few of these around the farm. And through them we can... We can uh, grow different crops. My oldest daughter, Emma, oversees that. It's been a blessing seeing her learn and grow, too. Here's a picture of some of the different things that we grow. And um, we have, uh, like, about 25 
or more people that live on the farm. So there's a lot of mouse that feeds, so it really helps with, uh, with our food bill. Here's a picture of a birthday party. As, as you can imagine, with that many people, we have a lot of birthdays. And so every time there's a birthday, we get together, and we have whoever's birthday it is, they pick what we're having for lunch. And then we, um, we just eat together and, and have, a, have time together, so that's fun. So that's kind of just an overview of part of the orphan ministry, but also the, the Lord sent us down there to plant a church. By God's grace, in this June, our church will celebrate 12 years. Um, the, uh, the name of the farm is El Nilo, which means the nest. And so the church is named El Nilo de Gracia, which means the nest of grace. And I always love to tell the story of the, the first family that God providentially saved. It was the very first uh, worship service that we held. It was the Pajaro family. Uh, came to know the Lord. And Pajaro means little bird in Spanish. So the little bird family got saved in the nest of grace. And so it's, it's a pretty cool testimony. And they're still a vital part of the church to this day. So here's a picture of the building that the Lord provided to build after a few years. Uh, here's the, the sanctuary where we worship at. <clears throat> and um, we, as you know, we went down, when we first went down, there were two families and we had, we had, we had three elders of the church. And then through some difficult circumstances, about seven years ago, I was left as the only, the only elder of the church. And that's been a burden for me since that time to just desiring to have co-elders. And by God's grace, we recently, uh, Fabio, Pastor Fabio was just ordained right before we left for Columbia. He's a dear man of God. He's, he's the, him and his wife oversee the older boys on the farm, but I'm just so thankful to have him as a, as a co-elder to, to, to shepherd the church of God there. And I ask you to pray for him. He's, he's, um, he's such a vital part of the ministry. So that's him with the tie. And then that's his son, uh, Fabio Jr. on the, on your, I guess it would be your guys's left. So. So when, when I had to step into the role of preaching, prior to that, it was more of like a behind-the-scenes, more administrative elder. Uh, I felt a huge need and a burden to get further theological education. And the Lord just graciously provided uh, a way to, to study in Columbia, a seminary. I had to fly to Bogota every um, three months for four years. And it, it's a seminary out of Kentucky. But it was such a blessing to my life. And um, by God's grace, I finished that. It was very helpful. And then the Lord opened the door. Um, we built relationships with a lot of pastors and men on the coast of Colombia over the course of the, the last, um, well, now it's 12 years. But at that time, we there was really no way that they had access to a, a solid theological education. So just prayerfully and talking with the, um, the director of that seminary in Bogota, and the, the, the dean of the seminary in Kentucky, the Lord opened the door to start another site of the seminary on the farm. And so we just finished. Uh, we're halfway through a four-year cycle of the seminary on the farm. This is a picture of, we have about 30 men from the coast who don't have the resources to fly to Bogota, but they can come to the farm and study. So they come every three months and study there. The professor comes from the States. And... Uh, the Lord also provided, um, it's just amazing to see how the Lord provided right at the time 
the funds, the resources to build cabins, to house these men because they spend a week on the farm. These are some of the pictures of the cabins that we built um, there on the farm. We have six of them. We can house up to 48 men. Um, and then we we built a covered, a big giant covered eating area with a kitchen attached to it where we prepare the meals and there's times of fellowship uh, with with the men there on the farm as, with the, the men who come to study as well. And that has also served as a place for our church to fellowship, for other churches to come and do uh, retreats from different parts of Colombia, and also for weddings. We've had several weddings there, um, especially we actually had three of the, the month before we came here, so it was a very busy month. Um, here's a picture picture of our after our first module, the picture of the men who came to study. Um, that's Pastor Sam there on the on the right, on your right with the gray shirt. He's the dean of the seminary there in Kentucky. And these are the most, this is a picture of the most recent, the recent module. Sorry, I think I'm, I should stop turning around. I guess I can look right here. Um, but I just can't tell you what a blessing it is to see how the Lord has worked and opened the door. And these men are so hungry to, to learn the word of God and to minister in their local churches. Um, the Lord's opening some other doors to to help plant some other churches there on the coast of Columbia too. Some of our churches working together, so we're excited about that. And um, I just give the Lord glory for for what He all that He wants to do. And then we have a picture of some some other uh, friends that we have on the farm. Some of you guys have met them face to face if you've come to visit. And uh, I invite you guys to any of you that want to come down. We we'd love to introduce you. And uh, Here's a picture of my family right before we flew down. So, above all things, we just want to give all the glory to God. All things are from Him and through Him and to Him. And to Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, we're thankful to Coastline for your continued support. Uh, we couldn't be down doing what we're doing without the support of our brothers and sisters in Christ here in the States. And so, we're, we're thankful. And... Um, before uh, ending that part, Chris asked me to also, seeing that you guys are going to be talking about prayer and fasting and spending some time doing that, to, to spend some time in the Word this morning talking about prayer and maybe sharing some testimonies of, of that in our own life. And as I was praying about what to, what to talk about, the Lord put on my heart the Lord's Prayer. And so why don't we pray right now? And then let's look at the Lord's Prayer together a little bit this morning. So, Father, we come before you this morning in the name of your Son, just grateful for your grace and your mercy in our lives, grateful for uh, the salvation that we have received, not because of anything that we have done, but because it pleased you to save sinners and to lavish us with your, your love and your grace and to wash us in your precious blood. And you've given us the great privilege, Lord, to come to you in Christ at any moment, to come to your throne of grace and prayer with our needs, and to approach you boldly. And uh, we do that now, and we pray. That, I pray also, Lord, that as we go through your teaching on prayer, that it would be an encouragement to our hearts, and that it would be a blessing to your people, Lord. So please help us now and give us understanding, we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So what a privilege 
prayer is. Um, it's incredible, not only incredible, that the God of everything, of this universe, who created us, allows us to pray, but he invites us to pray. Not only that, he teaches us to pray, gives us instructions on how to approach him. And um, I think we could all, I know personally I could grow in prayer and uh, I don't take advantage of prayer as much as I should. And so I pray that God will help us this morning to um, see his own teaching, his own desire, his own design for prayer, and that it would help us to uh, to be more diligent and more bold in, in coming before the Lord. Um, I think sometimes we, we get confused about prayer. Uh, I think we th- we think that strong people pray. Um, we pray when we're strong, but actually prayer is, is for because we're weak. We need the Lord. We're needy. And we, we, we come before him in our weakness. Um, I think we, can, we think prayer is um, trying to get God to do what we want, trying to get God to see things from our perspective. But prayer actually is God conforming us to, to his image. Prayer doesn't change God. It changes us. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we approach him, he, he is working in us, making us uh, the people that he wants us to be. And I think that's reflected in, in Jesus' teaching on, on how we should pray. So I'm going to read that passage for us. Jesus says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so just, we don't have time to go deep into this, but just going over it, we can learn a few things. First of all, the first word is our. And, and as, we, as we pray, as Jesus taught us to pray, we remember that we're part of the body of Christ. We're part of a family. We're part of the people of God. We're not just praying for ourselves, but we're praying for all of our, our uh, brothers and sisters, um, and even the lost in this world. And that reminds us, as part of a family, that we're approaching our Father. And in a general sense, God is the Father of all creation, as the creator of everyone. But in a special sense, in a saving sense, He is the Father of all believers. He, we have been adopted into His family. We have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, brought into the family of God, and we approach Him as... As our Father, we've received the spirit of adoption, and we, we cry out to Him, Abba, Father. It's, it's a privilege beyond all privileges to be able to approach our God in this way. And we, we approach Him reverently. He's in heaven. He reigns over all things. And the first request that Jesus teaches us to pray is, Hallowed be your name. Another way to say this is, May your name be kept holy. May your name be revered, honored, glorified. And we know that in the scriptures, and the names that we read aren't just—it isn't just a word. It's, it has to do with who who people are. The old, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew reflects attributes of the person, and that's how it is with God. His name reflects who He is, His character, His His attributes, all of who our God is. And um, so, this prayer is that His attributes, God would be made known, God would be glorified, God would be set apart as holy in all the earth. And that, that should be the first thing that's on our heart. And that really is, when God gives us a new heart, 
as believers, that really is the desire of the new heart, that God would be honored and glorified. And it is the aim of our lives, and it's the purpose for which we were created. When God created everything, the only one that he created in his image were, were mankind. Um, we reflect his glory in a way that no one, nothing else does in all of creation, not even the angels. And when God gave the command to men, to Adam and Eve, to fill the earth, to multiply and be fruitful, it was to fill the earth with his glory. It was so that his name would be made known throughout all of creation. Well, as we know, that was tarnished. His image in us was tarnished by our sin. And his glory, we fell short of his glory. But he sent his son. And even from the beginning, from Genesis, we see his plan to come and redeem lost humanity through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the perfect image of God, who came to make known the Father to us, reveal God perfectly, unlike the first Adam. And so all of us who have been redeemed by Christ, we now, that image is being restored in us as we are conformed to his image, and we are to aim to make God known as he truly is. Um, God has revealed himself through creation in such a way that all men are without excuse, according to Romans 1. Um, no one can say that they don't know God. He's, he's made himself known. But that knowledge isn't sufficient to save. We need a special revelation of God, which he has given us through his word, which... I, principally through his gospel, which makes known to us exactly who God is. And that is salvation, to know God. And we need, to, we need to know who he is. We need to make him known. And so, as we pray, we're asking that his name would be spread throughout the earth, revered throughout the earth, honored by his church, that we would take seriously what his word says about him. We would know him and make him known. Then he goes on to say, your kingdom come. Jesus, we are to pray that God's kingdom would be established on earth. We know that God's kingdom is now being established spiritually in our hearts as he subdues us by his gospel, as he, he draws us to himself. He takes out our hearts of stone and gives us hearts of flesh through the preaching of his gospel. And his kingdom grows as churches are established, as the nations come to see the glory of their creator. And that, that is his, how his kingdom is established now in the, in the spiritual realm. But we also know that one day when Jesus returns, his kingdom will be established physically and it will cover all the earth and the earth will be filled with his glory. And so as we pray, your kingdom come, we're praying for success in the great commission that, that Chris read us about in Matthew 28. We're praying that the the gospel will be fruitful and successful as it goes throughout the earth and that as every nation comes to know and worship our God. But we're also praying for Jesus to come again. We're longing for him to come and establish his, his physical kingdom here on earth where we will reign with him for all of eternity. And then he says, your will be done. We... Um, uh, but we need, it's, I think this is a huge part of, of what our prayer, um, when we approach God, we always need to have this element there, desiring for God's will to be done. We see this in the way that our Lord prayed. Why do we need to, what does this mean? First of all, I think there's two different ways we can look at, at God's will. First of all, his revealed will, what he's, he's taught us in his word. We desire for God's for will to be done, for people to be obedient, for people to become obedient from the heart. 
to what the Lord has taught us in his word. Um, we, the laws that we break by, in our fallen nature with, with our new hearts, the law becomes our delight and we desire to obey and live obedient lives to our Lord. So part of praying for God's will to be done is praying that we as his church will be conformed to his will, obedient to his will, as we see it revealed in his word. But also, God's secret will, and his secret will is everything that comes to pass. And we don't know what his will is. We don't know specifically what's going to happen in in the different circumstances of our life. But we want that will to be done because, as we've sang this morning, God's love never fails. God, all things work together for our good. The promises that God has given to his church are included in that will. And a lot of times our will is different than God's will. And instead of seeking, approaching God in prayer, seeking to change his will, we're seeking for our will to be conformed to his will. We're not wise enough to know what's best for us. We don't know what we need to become more like our Lord Jesus Christ. If we could have our choice, it would be an easy life, a prosperous life, uh, no sickness, no pain, um, an easy death, all things that every man desires with or without Christ. But by faith, we can look beyond uh, the natural, our natural desires. We can move beyond our, uh, our fleshly desires and we can see eternity and we can see the promises that God has given to us. And just as Jesus, who in a, in a physical sense had no desire, if there was a way for him to accomplish the gospel without suffering the cross, obviously he would have desired that. And yet even as he prayed for that cup to be removed from him, he said, yet not my will, but your will. And that needs to be our prayer as we pray. We, yes, we pray, God, if it would please you, remove this cancer, remove this whatever it is. We face so many different things in this life that we would never choose on our own. But that may be the very thing that God is using to sanctify you, to make you the person that he wants you to be. Maybe it's conflict that you were trying to avoid that you would never have. Maybe it's suffering that you would never choose. But your father is working in your life in a way that you could never imagine to make you like his son and to strip you of the things that will be detrimental in the long run. Sorry. When we pray for God's will to be done, we're submitting ourselves to him with all of our heart. We're saying, even though I would never choose this, Father, if this is what you desire for me, amen. Praise your name. May you accomplish what you want to in me and in all of your church. I submit my life to you. I submit my will to you. Not my will be done, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So only after approaching God in this way, only after approaching our Father, seeking his glory, seeking his kingdom, seeking his will, do we then present our request to him. And our requests are submitted to all those previous things. And our our requests should coincide with the accomplishment of those things. Why do we need daily bread so that we can be faithful servants to our Lord, so that we can have the strength to take the gospel to the nations, to live lives that please him. Um, And our father, even before this, our father knows what we need before we ask him. But 
He invites us to present those requests to him, and he gladly meets them and provides so faithfully beyond what we could ask or imagine. We also come to him, so that shows our dependence on him, but we also come to him humbly, remembering who we are. We don't approach God boldly because we are something in and of ourselves. We're sinners. The only righteousness we have is what Christ has given us. We are saved by grace, so we approach him remembering our sinfulness and confessing our sins to him. And as we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've been forgiven once and for all, but we need to remember daily and experience daily that forgiveness as we confess our present sins. And we also, as we confess our sins to him and ask for his forgiveness, we remember those who've sinned against us and we forgive them. And this is the only part of the Lord's Prayer that the Lord goes on to comment on afterwards and says, for if you forgive others for their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And the implication is, is that if we desire the Lord's forgiveness, we need to be forgiving those who offend us and hurt us. And that's an important part of, of our Christian life. What we've been forgiven by God is infinitely greater than any offense that anyone could ever commit against us. We also pray that he would not lead us into temptation. We're weak. We, uh, we come before him uh, knowing that apart from his strength, I think Chris has taught on the armor of God, we need his protection. Apart from him, we're defenseless. We need to be clothed in Christ's righteousness, Christ's armor. We need his word. His, we, we need prayer to be, to be protected. We need God to not lead us into temptation because surely we, we will fall. We know how weak we are apart from his restraining hand in our lives. But deliver us from evil. So we should come often and boldly before the throne, asking God to protect not only us, but all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, that he would protect us from the evil one, protect us from evil, and, and guard us as we go about advancing his kingdom, preaching his gospel, uh, living for his will to be done. And then we end prayer just giving all glory to him. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that really needs to be the desire of our heart. And I think the most Christ-like people on earth are those who who long and burn for God to receive the glory. Because that was Christ's heart. Christ prayed, Father, may your name be glorified. He didn't say or do anything that wasn't what his father wanted him to say or do. He came to glorify his father perfectly, obey his father perfectly. And the more conformed we are to Christ's image, that will be what we look like as well. And um, I wish in my own life that I was more like Christ. I, I daily fall far short of his glory. But by his grace, I've seen glimpses of, of his glory and, uh, and, and I've experienced his help and his faithfulness in prayer, as we set out to to go to Colombia, I feel like um, the the burning desire of our hearts, the overarching desire of our hearts, was that He would be glorified. We actually made a statement, the purpose. Why are we doing this? We wanted to make sure that we weren't just doing something to do it. We wanted to make sure that we were doing what God wanted us to do. And our purpose statement was to glorify the name of God in Colombia by sharing His love with orphans and widows and by planting. Um, a church through the preaching of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit 
to the praise of the glory of his grace. And I truly believe that's why we went. And we certainly have fallen far short of that mission many times. But that's what keeps us there. It's, it's uh, this burning desire to, that the God who has saved a sinner such as I would receive the glory that he alone deserves. Um, and knowing that he is sovereign over all things, even uh, our mistakes and our, the things that we do. God is sovereign. He reigns supreme. Uh, that's what drew me to the mission field in the first place, knowing that God will save a people from every tribe and nation and language and tongue. Every single nation will be represented in God's kingdom. It's not because of my power or my eloquence that people come to know the Lord. It's because of his gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. And if we're faithful to proclaim his word, he will draw his people to himself and save a people from every nation and tribe and language. So that's what drew me to the mission field in the first place. But what's kept me there is knowing that God is sovereign over every single circumstance. If I, I don't think I could have stayed on the mission field if I didn't believe that. But I know that he's working everything together for our good and for the good of his church there and the good of his church here. And come what may, his promises are true. And he's the same. And he's, he's accomplishing his work. And that's the God that we approach when we pray. And so as we approach him in faith, we look beyond circumstances beyond earthly realities, beyond even our own desires many times. And we, we recognize that he, he reigns supreme over all things. We desire that he will accomplish his perfect will, which he will. But he gives us the privilege of participating with him and praying with him. He uh, not only declared the end from the beginning, he determined that we would be part of the history that he is unfolding as we pray with him. And he uses our prayers to advance his kingdom. What a privilege it is, my, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that we can approach our God boldly in prayer. We need to, we need to take advantage of that. I know I do more than I do, and I pray that we, we all will as the Lord continues to make us more like him. Um, so I think that just about does it. So praise the Lord. Okay, st- stay up there for a bit. And I, I'm going to invite the rest of the Riffle family up here just to embarrass them because I know they like to be center of attention. I think we have a big enough stage. Um, I just want to share something really quick as they're making their way up here because I, I was thinking of this passage. Um, this is in Exodus 17 where the Israelites were um, facing one of their many battles as God was leading them through the desert on the way to the promised land. But it says in Exodus um, 17, starting verse 8, it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. And tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. And while Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill, whenever Moses held up his hand, a posture of prayer, whenever he held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. 
And I, I love the picture of that passage because what it shows us is all the, there's these different players. There's Joshua, there's Moses, there's Aaron and Hur, and each one of them had a different role in God's sovereign will in that battle that God want, had already won for his, his people, but he was going to give them victory, but they all had a part to play. And every single one of those parts had to happen for that victory to happen. Nobody was less important than any other. Nobody was fighting over each other's role. They just did their role. And so just like we talked about last week, we all go through these battles. We all go through these hard things. The battle that these guys face, the spiritual warfare they face down there, they're kind of like Joshua. They're, they're on the front lines. They're the ones fighting that down there, or God's fighting on their behalf through them. But we're the ones that are supporting them in a way back here with prayers, whether it's Moses or we're holding their arms up, you know, financially or thinking about them, reaching out to them, encouraging them, praying for them, going down to visit them. We're that supporting role and we're critical to that battle that's going on. And so we want to know that our roles are important and be intentional about doing the things God has told us to do as a part of that battle. Amen. So we can start now and and pray for them. Um, but I'd encourage you guys, like your prayers are not meaningless. They're not just kind of going up into the air and evaporating. It's like God is hearing those and giving them the strength they need to keep going, giving them the, the supernatural ability to teach God's word and proclaim the gospel to people down there so they can understand their need for Jesus to save them from their sin and, and bring them into his kingdom. So we want to be, we need to be reminded of that. And we need to hear like testimonies of how that is actually happening through your guys' faithfulness. Amen? Amen. So let's go ahead and pray for them right now. Lord God, we lift up this family. Thank you again. Just every time they come, every time we go down there, we just see evidence of your grace, Lord. And we acknowledge that. Just as Mike shared, it's all you doing all this. And we're so humbled that you would use us to do anything. And seeing how weak and insufficient we are, just it, it... it allows your strength to be shown, just even as Paul said, in our weakness, you're strong. And we see just grace upon grace being shown in everything you're doing down there. All the boys that you've saved, all the people in that church that you've saved, um, all, all the great things you've done in establishing that church and, and um, raising up people to, to be teachers of your word and going out into that community and saving the lost and bringing boys there that... Uh, need to know you as their savior and, and sending them out to all ends of the earth so they can go and preach the gospel. The Lord, everything is just a testimony to you, how you've kept the riffles safe and allowed them to grow up and just be used by you in such a mighty way. And the other people you've raised up as a part of that farm to be your witnesses. Lord, we just praise you for all of it. And we ask uh, in, in humility, Lord, knowing that you only have good things in mind for the work you're doing down there. Um, that your will will be done. What, whatever that is, Lord, even if it doesn't match with what we envision, Lord, we know that your will is always best. And so we pray that you would empower them to be your witnesses, that you would empower Mike to teach your word. You would power the other people down in that farm that know you to be your witnesses, that you would draw all people to yourself, just as your word says, um, showing them their need for Jesus to be their savior and Lord of their life that you would transform these boys, making it clear who you want to come there and bring them there and show them their need for you to be Lord of their life and to save them from their sin and, and then send them out 
to their communities or, or communities that need to hear the word of God, that need to um, uh, uh, need to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We pray you bring pastors there that need to be trained up in the word of God, uh, that couldn't learn it any other way so that they can go back to the, the areas you've called them to, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ uh, in your power, for your glory. Lord, all these things, um, we just pray these things in confident faith, knowing that they're according to your will and ask that you'd accomplish them as you see fit, Lord. And uh, sustain these guys, empower them, uh, give them the, the grace they need to continue on, Lord. Give them the wisdom they need to continue on in the leading and all the things you have for them. And may we be faithful to remember them and pray for them and support them and go and see them and encourage them however you want us to, Lord. In, in the years to come until you come back to get us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, um, before we end, I want to have a response time because um, I'm going to have the worship team come up here because, um, you know, I just want to share a quick testimony. Uh, one of those trips down to Columbia was one of the times where the Lord really taught me, uh, in, in a sense, the power of prayer against kind of the spiritual battle we're in. Um, I remember one of the things we used to do down there, I'm not sure if they, they still do it, but it was it was pretty cool. It felt like it was right out of the book of Acts. Um, they would literally set up church in the middle of a street. If you've ever been to like pretty much Mexico or any South America country, you know that uh, like a lot of these towns, streets are just crowded with people on motorcycles. They're all over the place. People are very social. They like to come out and sit in front of their houses in the evening and they talk and and just uh, chat and they're very friendly. And so we're in the middle of the hustle and bustle of, of like a weekend night in Turbana, this this little uh, community, well, I mean little, probably like 10,000 people, I think it was, but like all the hustle and bustle, and we go and ask the store if we can use their power, and we plug in some speakers, and we set up some chairs literally in the middle of the street with all these people going by, and we start leading worship, and Will, Ken Charla, that was this trip, you started sharing the word of God, like just preaching the gospel to whoever would listen, and people start stopping and they sit down and they're listening to the gospel going out. And as he starts preaching, this music, because down in South America, they like to play loud music too, really loud, that wasn't playing. But as soon as he starts teaching the word of God, this music starts r- rising up, like just getting louder and louder, like deafening out what he's saying. And Josh, one of the other guys that was serving down there at the time, I was sitting down there with our former pastor, Jason. And he comes over to us and kind of rounds up some of the guys. He's like, dude, I just sense this is spiritual warfare and we need to pray. And so we just kind of gathered up and huddle as, as Will's up there just faithfully preaching the word. And we start praying. And much like as Moses raised his hand and the battle started going in favor of the Israelites, as we started praying, that music started dropping the sound, just going away. And we stopped praying and it started rising. We started praying and it started going down. And you could just hear Will loud and clear as he's preaching the gospel. And it just was one of those moments where like, whoa, this really works. Like God's listening to us. And it just was like, like really showed me the power of prayer. And so, you know, just like I was pointing out, like it's, it's so important that we, we pray for each other. We support each other in the battles that we face. And so um, I'm just going to encourage you, if you feel like, you're in the midst 
of something hard, if you feel like there's oppression even maybe against you, kind of like we talked about last week, like you feel like there's just something spiritual going on your, in your life, like the enemy's trying to attack you, trying to get you to believe lies. We're going to have our prayer team up here and let them come and support you. Come up and get prayer so you're not going through that alone. Let them come up and hold up your arms, if you will, just like Moses, because we're not supposed to bear stuff alone. That's one of the things, like I pointed out last week, we're in the battle, just like those Roman soldiers would lock their shields together to perform like an impenetrable barrier so they couldn't be shot with arrows. Um, we're, we're to lock arms together, if you will, in prayer so that we can support each other and protect each other from the enemy's attacks, remind each other of God's promises, pray for each other for the Lord's defense. Amen? So take advantage of this. If you're somebody that's visiting or you're new, maybe this is a little weird. Well, what we believe in Jesus through faith, not by sight. Not, not because there's evidence of God all around us, but it takes faith to acknowledge that, yep, what you're saying is right. I realize I'm, I'm not a good person. I do things wrong, and I need to be saved from that. And the only way that can happen, because what I'm doing is not working, is to ask for Jesus to come into my life and save me from it, to acknowledge that he died on that cross to pay the price for all of those bad things I've done, all those sinful things, so that I could be forgiven of them, and I could be made right with God and have God come into my life and fix me. It takes faith to believe that. It's truth, and when we're willing to do it, when we're willing to step out in faith and acknowledge that, then God comes into our lives and helps us see how real he is. Amen? And so if you're somebody visiting today, I encourage you in faith to acknowledge that truth, acknowledge your need for God to save you. You can come and do that with our prayer team too. We'll we'll answer any questions you have or, or just help you pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But this is a moment is if you feel like that prompting, like that's me, I, I need prayer, I am going through something hard, I, I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, you don't want to pass up that moment because you have that moment to take advantage of it right now. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you, talking to you, telling you your need for God, telling you your need for other people to, to bear that burden with. And you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what happens when you go out that door. But right now, you can take advantage of that moment, and you don't want to miss out on how God wants to respond to your faith. Amen? So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you so much for this gift you've given us through our relationship that we've come to have with you through our faith in Jesus Christ, where we can talk to the God of the universe, the God that's in charge of all things, that's running all things, that loves us so much he sent his one and only son that cares about every detail in our life there's nothing too small you don't care about it there's nothing too big that you can't handle it it's an easy thing for you and you invite us to allow you to be involved in all things to take control to lead us into that good pleasing and perfect will to empower us to do the things that we can never do by ourselves because we're weak and foolish Lord, your word says in Revelation that you stand at the door and knock. And that all we have to do is invite you in. You're always ready to be there, to lead us, to empower us, to involve us. And all we need to do is allow you to do that by inviting you through prayer. 
And Lord, I pray that that would be what we would do right now. We would take advantage of that gift you've given us and not neglect it. In Jesus' name, amen.